Hey, this is Steve Allen. I'm the pastor of Destiny Christian Center in Laplace, Louisiana. I want to thank you for joining us today on the Discovering Your Destiny broadcast. I hope it builds your faith, helps you to grow in every area of your life. Enjoy this message. We are in a series of teaching. Uh, The title of the series is We're Known by This. Um, Our foundational text for the series is John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. That's uh, where Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Then he goes on to say, by this, all men shall know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Now, last week, we started another part or another leg of this series by asking the question, do you love God? Because, you know, we really can't go any further talking about loving each other until we get the question answered, do we love God? Uh, Look at somebody and just ask a message. Do you love God? Did they answer you? Well, look, if they answer you, look back at them and say, well, how do you know? (laughs) Let's look at our, our foundational text for this part of the series, Mark chapter 12. And verse number 30. And Jesus is speaking in this text. I was telling them in the last service, I absolutely love teaching and preaching at DCC. Love it. I love it. Listen, I get invited to go to other places, but I love being home teaching and preaching right here. I mean, I don't ever have to get an invitation to go anywhere. I can I can sit here and teach you until the, what they say the cows come home. Yeah, all right. I don't know what that means, but I think that means a long time. Uh, I just love you. I really do. Uh, Mark chapter 12, verse number 30 says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Um, now, in John, John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. Uh, the 23rd verse of that uh, chapter says, If a man loves God... He will keep his word. So Jesus equates love for God with obedience. So to love God means to obey him. Tell somebody that said to love God means to obey him. Last week we began to look at several areas that we wanted to evaluate ourselves on to see if we really love God or not. Uh, the three areas that we talked about last week, number one, We said to love God means to choose continually to obey God's word and not our own thoughts, emotions, or desires that are prompting us to go in an opposite direction. I don't care who you are, you will have emotions and feelings that try to prompt you to go opposite of the word. Anybody can can agree with that? There's always a pull on the flesh to go against God's word. Number two, to love God means to set aside or relinquish uh, our own momentary happiness or pleasure in order to obey God. And then number three, we talked about to love God means to demonstrate a shameless refusal to compromise our godly convictions or to negotiate our spiritual positions for the sake 
of popularity or acceptance. Now, we discussed these three. We discussed them in detail on last week. Uh, again, I would encourage you, if you weren't here, to get those CDs. Now, I have one more area of evaluation that we're going to look at, and then we'll move on to something else. Uh, go to Matthew chapter 4, and we'll look at verses 1 through 11. This is a very familiar text. You there? Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, if thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taken him up into a holy city and set him up on a pinnacle of the temple and, and said unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee and in thy, in their hand, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. Jesus said unto him, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taken him up into a, an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him and behold, angels came and ministered let me just stop just for a second and I'll move on to what I want to deal with. But you'll notice how Jesus handled the devil. He handled the devil with what was written. He told the devil what the word says. Now my question is, what are you telling the devil? And you'll, you'll also notice that when Jesus put the word on the devil, the Bible says that the devil leaveth. And angels came to minister to him. The Bible says that angels hearken to the voice of God's word. In other words, when you're in a hard place, you need to speak that word. Because there are angels ready to come to your rescue, but they're waiting to hear God's word. That ain't what I wanted to talk about, but I just had to throw that in. I'm not going to charge you for that part. So, <laughs> the text that we just read is often called the wilderness temptation. There are three major areas that Satan tempted Jesus in, uh, the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. Now, <clears throat> what Satan was basically doing was he was trying to get Jesus to satisfy a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. And, and not only that, but he was trying to get Jesus to perform the will of God in the flesh. You see, we have legitimate needs, and, and oftentimes Satan tempts us to satisfy what we have a legitimate right to in an illegitimate way, which leads to my fourth evaluation of whether we love God or not. And I want you to hear this. To love God means to choose continually to trust God's power and God's ability to meet our needs and not trust in our own power and our own ability. Whew, that was deep, wasn't it? Listen to me. The biggest challenge that we have as it relates to trusting God 
is waiting. Come on, can we be honest? The biggest, the biggest challenge that we have, that the biggest struggle that most of us have in trusting God is waiting. And I'll be honest with you, I'll be honest with you, that's been one of my biggest challenges. That's been one, look, look, I want what I want and I want it now. There was a man that was praying one day, he said, Lord, for his timing. <laughs> I've, I've told you this testimony over and over again uh, years ago. When I, I think I was in my mid-20s. I, um, I tried to get voted in a church in Kansas City, Missouri. This was in the early 90s. And um, big old church. Huge church. I was excited. I went to preach. And uh, man, we had some church in that man, they were shouting everywhere. I, I hooped. I had my towel. I was winding it up like David with the slingshot. And when I finished preaching, I said, I got this. Hey, I, I called back home. I told my brothers, come on, call me pastor now. I'm about to. And you know what happened? Those folk didn't vote me in. And I was hurt and I'll, I'll tell you this, I was hurt to the point where I didn't want to pastor anymore. I didn't even have the desire to pastor. So I went out and started working in, uh, on another career, got into sports business, very successful in that business. And then pastoring came. Can I just tell you, first of all, if those folk had voted me in that church back then, I would have messed that church up so bad. They would still be talking about it. I wasn't, at that point in my life, I was not ready to pass. I wanted it. But see, a lot of times you want something you ain't ready for. I wanted it, but I wasn't ready for it. A lot of times you want something you ain't ready for. And secondly, I know that God's plan for my life was for me to be here. I wasn't supposed to be in Kansas City. God had a Laplace in my future. I had a date with destiny. <laughs> but sometimes trusting God involves waiting. God, I've been praying. When is it going to happen? When? When, Lord? You ever, you ever asked him that? We're my honest people. You ever ask God when? Anybody asked me that yesterday? When, 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 Lord? And see, what Satan was saying to Jesus is, I'll get you what you want now, and you don't have to wait for it. But listen to me. To get to where Jesus had to go, he had to go through the cross. He had to go through suffering. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 2, Jesus, who from the, uh, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, uh, uh, on the throne of God. He had to pass through the waiting. And you know what? He passed through the waiting. He passed through the suffering because he saw the glory. And what I came to tell you today is that God has a glory for you, but you have to be willing to wait on him. 
listen to me. Don't take matters in your own hands. Don't tell somebody, say, don't take matters in your own hands. You will end up messing up your future. God has a wonderful plan for your life, but I want to tell you today, don't mess it up. God, I want a husband. God, I want a wife. I've been praying, God, where is he? Is he in church? I saw a new man join church. Was that him, Lord? You know, I actually have, I've had people to come to church and look for rings. I said, I, I tell the man, lift your hands. And certain people's eyes go straight to the hand. Oh, he, he's single. But listen to me, I've also had people that wouldn't wait on God. And they made their own decision. They didn't pray about getting in it. But they had to pray to get out. People don't talk to their pastor no more. People used to talk to their pastor. Their pastor, you know, you're my spiritual father, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dating this this person. I just like to set up a little meeting to uh, to just you know just just so you can talk to us. We need you to talk to us. No, we don't do that no more. Nobody talked to me before. But they call for appointments after. <laughs> you know, Pastor, I need you. Look, like, like I'm the police. I need you to get this man out of my house. No, I ain't, I ain't no. Nine one one. Proverbs three. That, that's that's the old. When I first started pastoring. Man, I got involved in stuff I ain't had no business in. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And I mean, people were bringing all kinds of stuff to me. They had a lady that was having problems with a man on, on the job. And, 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 uh, and he was harassing her. She came and told me about it. Here I am, Superman. I'm going to call the man up. Hey, my members say you're bothering her. Man, that man should have cussed me out and told me. This ain't your business. <laughs> I know my business now. <laughs> Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 in the Amplified. Lean on, trust in, in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind, and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know, recognize, and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your path. So I choose to trust God's power, God's ability, and I don't uh, trust my own. You see, in our first scripture, in Mark chapter 12, verse number 30, Jesus says, I have to love the Lord with all my heart. So if I'm loving him with all my heart, I don't lean to my own understanding. There will be times when my heart is saying one thing and my head is saying something else. And I'm going to say to you, don't trust your head, but trust your heart. Because sometimes, sometimes your head will cause you to move too soon and you'll end, end up outside of God's will for your life. 
Anybody, your, your hand got you in trouble before? Oh, okay, all right, all right. I, I, listen to me. I want to be in the dome right now. Right. Matter of fact, I want to be in the dome years ago. And I'm asking God, why I got to wait? Why is it, I mean, other people building up. I went to preach at a church this past uh, Friday. They built a church five years ago and paid it off in five years. And I was in there and I was like, what about me? <laughs> what about me? There's a time and a season for everything. And what you don't want to do and what we're not going to do as a ministry is get ahead of God. See, I'm not in competition with anybody. The only person I'm in competition with is the devil. I'm trying to win as many souls away from his camp as possible. But I'm not in competition with any church. We are all, how can I be in competition with people that, that, that work for the same company? <laughs> well, so I was in, in that church and I was celebrating because another branch of the business is being blessed. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Y'all ain't ready. So I, I, I didn't, I, of course, you know, I, I, I'm saying, Lord, I'm, I sure be glad when we get the dome. But there's a time. And sometimes we're trying to pay for something that God wants to give us. Oh, 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 Lord. Now, let, 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 me, let me move on. Let me move on. Our base scripture in Mark chapter 12 says, we must love the Lord with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our minds, and with all our strength. And we want to learn what it means to love the Lord with our hearts and to love the Lord with our souls and with our minds and with our strength. So today, real quickly, I want to deal with this heart issue. What does it mean to love God with all of your heart? Listen to this. Our love for God must be independent of our circumstances, our feelings, and people. To love God with all your heart means that our love for God must be independent of our circumstances, our feelings, and people. Go to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start reading at verse number 22. We're going to start reading at verse number 22. And we'll go down to verse number 26 for now. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, they were angry, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight... Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Now, if you read the previous verses before we get here, Paul and Silas were in trouble for doing the will of God. 
They were not outside of the will of God. They were in trouble for doing the will of God. There was this girl going around, and uh, she was telling fortunes. And, and, and the, the rulers, uh, the, the, the rulers were, were using her to make money. So they kept, and it was a demon. She was possessed by demons. See, just because somebody can tell you your future don't mean that they're led by the spirit. There is a spirit called the spirit of divination where people are able to tell you things to amaze you and make you focus on them. But I don't need nobody to tell me about the serial numbers on the, uh, on the dollar bill that's in my pocket. What good is that going to do? Anybody, you know, it, it don't take the spirit of God to do that. Oh, I'm going to help somebody here today. This girl was telling people fortunes and telling them, you know, and, and they were amazed, so they were paying for what she was saying. Paul and Silas recognized that it was not the spirit of God. Cast the spirit out of her. Now the rulers are mad with them because they cut off their good thing. They were beaten. Now the Bible says they're in prison. But at midnight, they sang praises and prayed to God. So even in this adverse situation, they're still praising God. Now my question is, how could they praise God being in the situation they're in? The reason they could praise God was because their evaluation or their opinion of God was not related to their circumstances. And see, listen to me. God is calling us to a place in our lives where we can be consistent beyond our circumstances. The Bible says after being beaten and after being thrown in prison at midnight, which is the darkest time of the night, Paul and Silas loved God enough to praise him anyhow. Now, my question to you today is, do you love God independent of your circumstances? Or here's even a better question. What do you do at midnight? What do you do at the darkest time of your life? Ask your neighbor that says, so what do you do at midnight? Look back at him and say, I'm talking about the darkest time of your life, not, not last night. See, most, most Christians are in love with the Lord as long as everything is fine. But don't let a challenge come because we normally bring God down to the level of what we're dealing with. See, we base our love for God totally on, on, on what we're dealing with, but our love for God should be based on his word and not what you're experiencing. Listen to me. Last week I told you that when you love God, you will do things without an upfront guarantee. Lord have mercy. Paul and Silas had no guarantees that at midnight, when midnight came and they were praying and they were singing praises, they had no guarantees that those doors were going to open. And actually, the Amplified Bible says this. It gives us a better picture of it. It says at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. See, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. Hey, they were praying because that's just what they did. They, they weren't like some of us. They weren't crisis Christians where God don't hear from you until you're in trouble. They, they were doing what they did all of they, 
They always praised God. They always prayed. At midnight they were praying. So they had been praying. But the answer didn't come until midnight. They loved God independent of their circumstances. And guess what? Then the blessing came. See, we mess up because we focus all of our attention on the blessing rather than the obedience. I want you to hear this. Your part of the equation is the obedience. God's part is the blessing. Now, let me tell you something. The blessing is never a problem because God is faithful. But the real question is, are you faithful in your obedience? Oh, Lord. I want you to think about this. If you put yourself in this, if you were Paul and Silas and you were beaten and thrown in jail and you're innocent, how would you have responded? Think about it. I'll give you a second. I ain't even do nothing. (laughs) They done locked me up and I ain't even do nothing. I'm innocent. You'll be on the, on the doors. Hey! Y'all got the wrong man. I didn't do nothing. Y'all better call somebody. Get me out of here. How would you respond? Or better yet, how are you responding to what you're dealing with right now? Y'all looking like a deer in headlights. What is it that has stopped you from praying and praising? The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. What is it that has stopped your praise? Have you ever considered that you may still be in your prison situation because of your refusal to love and obey God? God inhabits the praises of his people, why aren't you still praising him? When do we get to the place where we're so sophisticated, we're so educated, and our bank accounts are so filled with money that we've gotten to the place where we don't praise God anymore? I know that this is a teaching ministry, but that shouldn't stop your praise. You should have came in this place with a praise on your lip. Nobody should have to force you to praise. You shouldn't have to have a praise team in a choir to remind you that God's been good to you. Oh, okay, all right. When you trust his power, you'll praise him in the problem. And I'll tell you what, you'll praise yourself right out of it. Let me show you something in the message Bible. I want to show you the results of their obedience. I'm going to read this in the message Bible right there in Acts 16, uh, verse number 27. I started at verse number 27. Startled from sleep, the jailer saw all the doors swinging loose on their hinges. Assuming that all the prisoners had escaped, he pulled out his sword and was about to to do himself in. Figuring that he was as good as dead anyway, Paul, when Paul stopped him and said, don't do that, man. (laughs) Can I 
Yeah, yeah, okay, I can paraphrase this. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. We ain't went nowhere. We still here. Anybody running away? The jailer got a torch, ran inside, badly shaken. He collapsed in front of Paul and Silas. He led them out of the jail and asked them, Sirs, what do I have to do to be saved to really live? Now, listen to me. I want to show you what their obedience did. Look at the results of their obedience. Here they have a man that had locked them up and thrown them in the inner prison, but because they were consistent in being who they were, he wants to know, how can I get what you have? What do I need to do to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the master. Then you'll live as you were meant to live, and everybody in your house included. They went on to spell out in detail the story of the master. The entire family got in on this part. They never did get to bed. They parted all night. They never did get to bed. The jailer made them feel at home, dressed their wounds, and then he couldn't wait until the morning, was baptized. He and his entire, not only him, but his entire family got saved. They're in this house, and they had food set out for a festive meal. Fried chicken, (laughs) potato salad, (laughs) mustard greens, Jiffy cornbread, red Kool Aid. <laughs> that, that's in there, huh? <laughs> y'all, y'all ain't anointed. If you don't see that, you ain't anointed. I'm talking about what, what's in there. I, I don't even know what verse I'm on now. What, what verse am I? What, what verse is that, wife? You don't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 food festival. Yeah, that, it was a night to remember. He, is an, he, he and his entire family had put their trust in God. Everyone in the house was in on the celebration. Let me stop, let me stop. The celebration started in the jail. In other words... It was just two of them in the jail celebrating. That was a seed of praise. But you know the harvest is always greater than the seed. So now they move from just two of them praising. Now everybody is celebrating. So what what does that say to you? I don't care if you're sitting next to a dead neighbor. You can be the only one in church praising. Don't you worry about it. Don't, 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 look, don't let them stop you from praising. You keep on giving God what he deserves right in the midst of them. It may start with you, but it'll spread like wildfire. At daybreak, the court judges sent officers with the instructions. L- listen to this. Release these men. The jailer gave Paul the message. The judges sent word. That you're free to go. You're away. Congratulations. Go in peace. We ain't, we ain't locked up. You want to set me free now when I'm already free. But Paul wouldn't budge. Listen to what Paul says. You told, you told the officers they beat us up in public and threw us in jail. Roman citizens in good standing. And now they want to get us out of the way on the slide? Without anybody knowing? Paul says, you beat me in public. 
I had a public embarrassment, but now I'm getting ready to have a public victory. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. See, 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 some of you have been going through some stuff in your life, and everybody knows about it, and it's a public embarrassment. But that's all right. You hold on, and you keep giving God praise because the same people you're embarrassing for love, they're getting ready to see a public blessing. Hey, 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 high five your neighbor and say, I'm about to be blessed publicly. <laughs> Woo! Look, look, look. Paul says, nothing doing. If they want us out of here, let them come themselves and lead us out in broad daylight. When the officers reported this, the judges panicked. Oh, my God. They had no idea that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they hurried over and apologized, personally escorted them from the jail, and then asked them if they wouldn't please leave. Y'all please leave? Y'all please leave the city. Walking out of the jail, Paul and Silas went straight to Lydia's house, saw their friends again, encouraged them in faith, and only then went on their way. They said, you don't dictate when we leave. We're going to go over there and visit our friends, and then we'll leave when we get ready. We're going to leave on our terms. Listen to this again. To love God with all your heart means that you love him and your love for him must be independent of all your circumstances. When when, when I was a kid, and I'll close with this. When I was a kid, they used to sing a song that was entitled Hallelujah Anyhow. The lyric says, Hallelujah Anyhow. Never ever let your troubles get you down. When life troubles come your way, raise your hands up high and say, hallelujah, anyhow. And see, we've got to get to the place where we don't let anything stop us from praising God. We've got to, I don't know what has happened to us where we've gotten so sophisticated. That's correct. I'm just looking around. I'm trying to understand something. How is it that we used to be the one really praising God? I'm talking about us. Black people. African Americans. Man, we used to praise God. We we didn't have, my mama would say, we didn't have an organ, we didn't have drums, but man. They were stomping their feet and they were whatever they had to do to praise God and they didn't have what we have a lot of times they had to walk to church but when they got there they gave God praise that now now we have cars and now we have bank accounts and now we have fancy clothes and God has been good to us and the better God has been to us the less we praise that's us but, but nowadays man we've gotten so sophisticated some of y'all standing there looking at me like this this morning well, you know, you really don't take all of that, Reverend. Well, you know, I'm an educated pastor. I mean, you know, I, I do have some degrees on the wall. Hey, if you've got that many degrees that's going to stop you from praising, you look too high. Think about where you would be today if it hadn't been for the Lord. Think about where you would be, where you could have, would have, should have been if it had not been for the Lord. There's absolutely no way in the world that I'm going to sit on God now when I think about how good he's been to me. You need to look at somebody and tell them, say, 
God's been too good to me for me not to praise him. Let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. You are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You should have came in this place with your hands up in the air and your mouth open giving God Hey, hey, in the last service, I got a little loud and, and I started to apologize. I said, I'm sorry. And then I said, no, I'm not. The truth is you're sorry. You're sorry if you're not praising God when he woke you up this morning. You're sorry if you're not praising God when you realize that he put clothes on your body. You're sorry if you're not praising God when it was him that kept your mind. You know the devil tried to take your mind, but God kept your mind and you refuse to praise him? Shake somebody's hand and say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hey, there's some things we learned in school that we shouldn't let go of. They taught me when I was a, a kid, they say, if you're happy and you know it. Your face ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, you ought to clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, you ought to stomp your feet. If God has been good to you, you ought to be doing something. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd love for you to do. First, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us to continue to reach others, visit our website at destinychristian.org radio. That's destinychristian.org radio. I'll see you next time on Discovering Your Destiny with Steve Allen.